I was getting ready to read to you a passage of Scripture. It comes from 2 Corinthians. Actually, I think it's a typo in the bulletin, but 2 Corinthians. And it's, um, you can read 1 Corinthians 9 and see how close it matches, but I think it won't work. Uh, but in 2 Corinthians, I want you to know what's going on here. The Apostle Paul has been in communication and relationship with this church in Corinth. It's a church made up of people from vastly different backgrounds and traditions. So he's bringing people together who don't have a commonality in their history, but have found in the present moment a reason to get together, and it's Jesus Christ. They're still trying to figure out what that means, how to live with each other, how to live with the world, what they're supposed to do and think and be. And Paul at times has been encouraging, sometimes scolding, and today he's teaching. He's trying to get them to understand that when you follow Jesus Christ, you begin to see the world differently. And you begin to act differently because you see truth in a way you never saw it before. So I invite you to hear as Holly reads to you how the Apostle Paul talked about we already live as a blessing. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply, multiply your seeds for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. He will be enriched, you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. Why they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join with me in a moment of prayer. Gracious and loving God, how generous you are. And as we come into this moment from the places of our life that we have been living and to the direction that we need to go, we ask that you would flow upon us as clearly as water flowed on Ella. Wash us, refresh us, renew us, forgive us, cleanse us, and set us upright. And may this moment be to your glory. Do not let anything get in our way to you or your way to us. We humbly submit and gratefully look to receive. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. A little while ago I decided to uh, purchase a little item that I did not understand at the time would have as much impact on me as it has. Um, I have a watch that I recently just got repaired, and I'm glad to wear it again. 
But behind that watch is a little thing called a Fitbit. Who here has a Fitbit? Raise your hands. Ah, you converts, one and all. Now, if you don't have a Fitbit, let me tell you very quickly, it's a little watch, watchy kind of thingy-ding who goes on your wrist, and it will tell you things like how far you've, how many steps you've uh, stepped, how many miles you've walked. It talks about your resting heart rate. It tells you about how many stairs you've climbed. It talks to you about how much sleep you've had and so on. It gives you a lot of data points. And when I first put it on, I was curious to see what it would tell me. And then I was embarrassed to find out what it told me. It told me that I was, when I first put it on, averaging less than 3,000 steps a day. You're supposed to have 10,000. I'm a preacher. I sit a lot. And it told me that I was averaging about five hours of sleep a night. I wondered why I was overweight and tired. Now, the data itself is only data, right? You have to decide what you're going to do with it. So, I decided to do a few things with it, like add my steps and get more sleep. And so now I'm averaging, I'm not close to eight, but I'm far away from five. And now I'm hitting 10,000 on a fairly regular basis. And now I'm wearing pants that were in the back part of that closet, you know, where you put them to hope one day. Now, let's be clear, there's a few more pants i got to go find yet, okay? So we're not done. But the point is, it has set me off on a journey. And it's given me information that has changed some of the behavior of my life, and it's been important. And I was thinking about that recently, because in my life recently, I've been thinking about a lot of things that have been pretty heavy. Some stuff that, just really some challenging things in my own personal journey. And I've been thinking about the fact that maybe I have to rely more and spend more time in prayer. And then I thought, I know what. I now know what I'm going to do to retire rich and pay off the construction for the church. You ready? I'm going to create a prayer bit. Ah, think about this. My schematic is here. And you can't see that, and that's okay, because there are copies for you at the welcome table when you go out. The prayer bit is going to tell you this information. How many times this week did you pray? How long did you pray? What did you pray for? And what were the results? Let's think about that for a second. How many times a day did you pray? I mean, just real quickly in your own mind, you don't have to shout anything out, just think about this. Over the last two days, how many times a day did you pray? Are they so many that you can't keep count? Or are they... What was the length of the prayer? Let me tell you this. If you, if you are a commuter and you pray 15 prayers a day, but 14 of them are, oh my God, you need to know that information to decide what you want to do with it. What are you praying for? What is your prayer life focusing you on? And what is it not opening up to you? Do you hear me, church? And finally, what are the results? Now, in the result box that I'm going to create, I'm not sure that people understand what I mean by that. I think most folks, and maybe I'm wrong, at least maybe some folks, are going to think when I say that, I'm really asking, what time did you get God to do what you needed God to do? It's not what I'm saying. What I'm asking is, how were you changed because of your prayer life? 
Now, let's think about that for a second. If we could create that app, and by the way, I don't know how to make an app. I'm a paper and pencil guy. So if someone knows how to make an app and wants to go in business with me, I'll give you 10% right now without questions asked, okay? I have no idea. But do you understand why this might be a helpful exercise? I'm going to tell you why I think it is, because I'm going to be honest with you. When I did my Fitbit, I was shocked at the numbers. When I did my prayer bit, I was surprised at the numbers. How infrequently I was praying and how limited my prayer topics were and how quickly I was running a hey God kind of conversation rather than lingering with God. And if I was frustrated with my prayer life, I'm going to be honest with you, most of the time I was frustrated because I hadn't gotten God to be Rick rather than thinking about how God had changed me. I want you to think about that. And if you want to pick up a paper prayer bit before it goes public, (laughs) you can do that. But the whole point of this is that I do believe that we are sitting on a reservoir of power that is waiting to be released, and like a dam, we're holding it back. I want to suggest to you if we could engage in active, varied, trusting prayer, the world would change. And so would you and I. Prayers that are prayed are powerful. Prayers that are unprayed have yet to experience what God intends. Today, I want us to think about the power of the prayer of blessing. And we're going to talk about a couple of different prayers over the next few weeks. But today, I want to talk with you about the prayer of blessing. Because as I've been thinking about, this is one of the key prayers that I believe we have not prayed often enough. The idea of blessing someone goes back to the very beginning of our faith. Go back to the very beginning of the Old Testament. Blessing was what God was all about. Creation itself is a blessing. I, want, I just want to give this to you. <laughs> you haven't earned anything, but it's all yours. And then when we messed it up, he came back and said, I want to give it to you again. And then over and over and over again, God continues to want to bless God's people. Abraham is given a blessing. And from him, his, the next generation wanted Abraham's blessing to come to them. And when I say that, here's what I mean. It isn't that they wanted his best wishes. It was rather a belief that when you blessed someone, it was an acknowledgement of the fact that you had blessing within you. It was an acknowledgement that God had blessed you and was going to continue to bless you so much so you wanted to take part of your blessing and hand it off, literally give it into the life of another person because in giving it away, you opened up greater space in your life for more blessing to flow in. And so when you bless someone, you literally were giving to them God and God's blessing. When Jesus came into the world in Matthew, he starts his ministry. And what does he do? He goes up on a mountain and sits down with several thousand other people, and he begins to set the tone of the rest of his ministry. Blessed are you. And he just goes through a whole sermon. All he's doing is telling the folks, here's how you are to be blessed. 
Here's why I came. I want you to be blessed. And I want you to become a blessing. This morning, we baptized Ella. This morning, we got to see Ella receive the gift of water and the outpouring of the grace that it symbolizes. Now, there isn't anybody in this room who doesn't know the fact, I hope, that Ella already had God with her the moment she was born. That's not a surprise to us. So when Matthew and Kelly come forward to bring Ella today to us today, it isn't like we got to get some water on this child before, so God can be with it, but rather so we can celebrate the truth that God is in this child and we want the water to be a symbol of how God's continual blessing is splashed all over her and will always be. And as a result, we've all shared in this moment. I know Ella and Kelly had to step out for a while. Matthew, I want to tell you this. There'll never be a day, never, even when you're not with her, that God won't be with her. And as a father of two daughters, that means a lot. And I want to tell you this, you'll never be alone as a family. God will always be part of your life. And that's what we celebrate today. And so much so, you're a family that can give God's blessing to other people. And that changes everyone. There are ways in which we offer these prayers with full intent that they will happen. The old Celtic prayer, you may remember this. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you. You know that prayer. And when it's prayed, it's not saying, gee, I hope you have a safe journey home. It's actually believing that by offering that blessing, those who are leaving us, we're placing them into the hands of God, and on their journey, the road will rise up, so they won't have to go down into the valley, and that the journey will carry God's protection with them. It's, it's handing off of the power. And prayers of blessings can oftentimes look more like action than just simply sitting in a corner silently with head bowed. In fact, I believe prayers of blessing oftentimes are best expressed when after the time of our prayer, it gets manifested into action. That's what prayers of blessings were always meant to do. We turn around and carry forth that gift to others. This past week, I was talking with a friend of mine named Bob who shared with me a story that had so touched and blessed him. He, uh, he was going to, into a Kroger. And on the bench outside the Kroger store, there was a guy sitting there, obviously with some challenges in his life, and asking for food, said he was hungry. And Bob said, you know, in that moment as he walked up to him, he felt conflicted. He felt frustrated. He, he maybe even felt a little bit of judgment. I don't know. You know those feelings you feel in those moments? You're sure, not sure what to do? And you feel like anything you do is going to be wrong? Well, Bob went into the store He didn't give the guy any money or anything. He just went into the store. But while he's shopping, he just felt moved that he he wanted to do something for the guy. So he bought some foods, a sandwich and some other things. And when he went back out of Kroger, the guy was still on the bench and he handed him the food. He said, "Here's here's a lunch for you. And when he gave it, the guy expressed gratitude that he received the food and began to eat. Now, I'm going to tell you this. 
We can argue whether or not that's the right thing to do or, you know, what we should do or what shouldn't we do in every situation. Is every situation the same? We can get into those conversations, but sometimes, isn't it true, you can overthink it? And this moment, Bob just gave food to a guy who said he was hungry. It was as simple as that. And the guy ate and was grateful. And Bob's attitude about that experience was changed because he acted. That's living a prayer of blessing. Blessed living and giving blessing is so desperately needed in this world and in our lives. I look around and it just feels to me like there's a conspiracy to trap all of us into negativity and cynicism and depression. Everything is just so bad or you're so bad or you don't have enough that you've got to have more, do more, get more to be worthy or justified. And quite frankly, it's probably true that whatever you do isn't going to matter anyway. It's all a lie. All of those messages are a lie because God came into the world to say, do you understand that I'm a God of blessing? And you are my child. You are made in my image. So guess what? You are wired to both be blessed and to bless. The Apostle Paul knew that. He, he didn't have a cushy life. He knew what it was to struggle. He knew what it was to face adversity. He was betrayed. He, he, he was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was jailed. All kinds of things for the sake of Christ. This was not a simple, easy life he lived. But in the midst of it all, he discovered that there was a God who was greater than the circumstances around him and that God was not going to stop blessing him, which is why he could write what he wrote to this church in Corinth. Listen, y'all, if you're going to give, give cheerfully. Don't be grumpy. God doesn't like grumpy givers. And you know who you are. (laughs) And he doesn't like grumpy givers just because, well, who would? Really? He doesn't want us to be grumpy givers because if we're grumpy givers, we're missing the point. We're missing seeing the blessing that God has given you. You're missing seeing what God is doing in your life and what God could do through you if you just quit being so grumpy and caught the grace and held on to the joy of God present with you. That's what Paul was. Man, he came to Corinth. He had a message of joy and blessing to give to these people, and they were sometimes pretty frustrating people. But he loved them because God loved him and God loved them, and he was going to continue to seek to be a blessing for them no matter what. Are you tired of being those who live in a world of scarcity thinking? Are you tired of being depressed and sad and frustrated and cynical and bitter and judgmental? After a while, it just gets old. Then I invite you to consider taking out your prayer bit. Because I've come to discover this simple truth. There is a correlation between how much I pray, what I pray for, when I pray, and my grumpiness, and my fear, and my negativity. 
But when I ratchet up prayer and length of prayer and the variety of things I pray for and trust God for, I get different results. It's, it's just a witness of one guy not living in a glass house telling you what I know. I want to suggest this to you. There are two things that happen if we become people who are willing to receive the blessing of God and then give it away. And the first is, as I've already suggested, it gives us a new perspective. Hurricane Matthew is already old news. No one's talking about it anymore. It's not in the news cycle. It's near the end of the bottom of the third page of the paper. But that's about it. But Hurricane Matthew went right across where Jeremy is in Haiti. And why does that matter to some of us? Because some of us have been there. I've led two teams to Jeremy. We've walked their streets. We know their people. We worshiped in the Methodist church, and the congregation taught us what worship could look like. We know these people, and their Jeremy is devastated today. The houses are gone. The downtown section is devastated, and there's no shelter to go to. And the main road they were so celebrating to have is now washed away, and once again, they're cut off from every part of the mainland of Haiti. We could have just sent money. But we went ourselves because we wanted to have a connection to these people, because we wanted to experience what blessing is. And let me tell you this simple truth. We learn more about what it is to live in a state of blessing from people in Haiti who live on $400 a year than anyone else because they know what it is to celebrate and to worship and thank God because they aren't dependent on their possessions to give them their joy. And in the midst of abject poverty, they could outpraise any of us. We went, and because we were there, because we were willing to live in a attitude of blessing and give and receive being blessed as equals, not as all these white people who came down to help, but rather as brothers and sisters of faith. Now, my prayer life is different when I think about praying for what happened. I'm not done praying for Jeremy. Do you understand? But that's happening in the life of this church all over the place. Can't be people who go down to an area where most of us don't live to take care of kids who on some days want to be there and some days don't want to be there. You know how kids can be, right? They're not easy. But when they're there, there's an attempt to try to give them education and support and some food they may not have the rest of the day. And as a result, it changes the way can't be people see the kids in the community that most of us keep our eyes closed to. You live Knowing you're blessed and willing to give blessing away, you receive blessing. Talk to the people who go on adult righteous mission. They see Pontiac differently. They used to think about, oh, God, I don't know if I want to drive through Pontiac. Now we drive into Pontiac because that's our neighborhood, and we drive by there and we say, look, there's the people that we love and care about and know by name because we've sweated with each other and worked side by side with each other. It changes the way we see the world around us and see ourselves. If you're living blessed and giving blessed, it changes your perspective. And the second truth is, 
It gives you and me a chance to partner with God. It gives me a chance to say, I don't want to just hang out with everyone who's cynical and negative. I want to partner with what God is doing in the world. And right now, this congregation is riding a wave of blessing, not unlike the water splashed all over you, Ella. Have you heard about this construction thing happening in the life of our church? Have you heard about it? Let me tell you something that's going on right now. You don't know this because it's just not been all that exciting or sexy to talk about, but now I can. May 1st, we got permission to continue on with the project. Church conference, you said go. We went. Then we got the architects to do construction drawings. Those are very expensive drawings that get you to the place where now you know what you're going to build. And so those were finished at the end of August, which was on time. They went out to bid, which they were put out to bid, and they were reviewed. And guess what? I'm glad you're seated for this. They came back with bids. We are on budget. Yes, you can clap. It's okay to do that. Now that we know the exact, exact, because we have data, we can go to the banks and talk mortgages, and that's been a lot of fun. And as we have talked to at least eight or nine banking institutions and loan organizations, we have a group of people who are doing an amazing job to make sure we have the best bang for the buck, if I can just put it in those terms. So now we know that we're moving to a time when probably we think, and I'm just going to be vague here because have you ever bought a house or anything? You just don't want to... But we're pretty clear by the end of November we're going to have paper in our hand. And in December we're going to be digging in the ground. And our builder's thrilled with that. That works best on his schedule, quite frankly. And quite frankly, we've discovered it works best on ours because that means we will not have this area torn up at Easter. And so that's happening. And as soon as we get that paper in hand, we're going to announce the groundbreaking and off we go. Do you understand that God is working us through even mortgage conversations? And man, if God can work there, God can work anywhere you are. He's working with the men on a Friday morning, that Bible study, those guys get here at 7 o'clock in the morning. 7 o'clock on a Friday morning, they are faithful and they are praying for you and they're studying God's words. It's an amazing thing to see. Thursday morning, we got women coming into church to do Beth Moore studies and they're growing together as a community of faith. Sunday school classes are happening where adults, children, and youth are meeting and being taught up. So one day when Ella, with her brother and sister, get to Sunday school class, you're going to learn the things of God. And right now, I got a balcony half filled with nothing but a bunch of youth. Give it up, youth! who are up there eating food in worship. Oh, my God! Hey, if they're in worship, they can eat all the food they want. You know what I mean? Blessings are happening all around us. i got to say this, and I didn't say it at 9 o'clock. Yesterday, I got to celebrate. Jeff and Catherine got married yesterday. Jeff and Catherine say hi. Wave to them. Did you hear what I just said? They got married yesterday. They're in church this morning. <laughs> Were you on your no? And seated right behind them, Jeff's mom and daddy, Pat and Kelly Martin, you know them, who yesterday they celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. 
And if that wasn't enough for Jeff and Catherine to understand how you have a long and happy marriage, Catherine's parents were here, and they had 60 years of marriage in. You want to find blessing? It's all around. It is showering upon you and showering upon us. So don't be a grumpy giver. Don't be disheartened or depressed. You all are about ready to receive, or some of you have received the pledge card information for the coming year. I'm going to ask you to do this. Don't make it a mathematical decision. Take out your prayer bit and decide what you will invest in and partner with and how you will change the world next year by what you do in that pledge card, both of finances and of time. And when you want, at the end of the worship service, back on the welcome table, these sheets are available for you if you want to take one home. Because I believe prayer matters. The prayer of blessing matters. And I thank God for the blessing you are and for the blessing God is making of us. And I invite you to join with me now in a spirit of prayer. Good and loving God, it is such a great day. And as you bless us, Let us keep open hearts and minds to receive and capture every drop and then rush out to give it to those who are thirsting so much for its truth. Fill us up and then fill us up again to your glory. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.